Welcome back to the Physio Foundations podcast for another week where we talk about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So this is a special episode. It's for anyone who is studying or working overseas or in Australia or whatever country you're based in, but who's in a different culture or using a different language in their studies or work, particularly a different language in their studies or work to what they use at home or what they're used to using. And so anyone really from a culturally or linguistically diverse background who's trying to study or work and at the same time improve their clinical communication skills. And so I've got a guest on this week who has done a marvellous job over the last six or so years of really improving and developing their clinical communication whilst faced with uh, the challenges of doing that in another language. It's a really amazing story. So before I uh, introduce Seven, this week's guests, um, a couple of words for me. It's respect is one word for me. Respect for you if you are doing this, if you're taking this pathway. It, it's one thing to complete a demanding health degree or a health professions degree. And I think that in itself is an achievement, but it's a whole other thing to complete a health professions degree in another language and in a different country or different culture and environment. And there are a lot of challenges associated with it that we want to talk about. So today we're going to explore some of those challenges and some of the tips that Seven has for, um, for how she did it. Um, and without further ado, Seven Shan, welcome to Physio Foundations. Uh, thank you for the invite. It's uh, lovely to have the chance to chat about it. So good to catch up with you again. So how are you going? How is um, life two years out of um, into your physiotherapy career? Um, I think my life is going quite well. Um, I do really enjoy being a physiotherapist. Um, and I've been walking uh, two different networks now. Like I've been, um, you know, walking with different team members, walking with different patient population. I all find it really interesting yeah that's great let's go back a step tell us a bit about you and your background and uh, your qualifications and what's led you up to this point now um so i'm oh, i'm seven but um my my original name is Ming Wenshan. i'm from china and um i got seven from um actually my Chinese name, because in China, you say your surname first instead of first name first, which is weird, but surname first and then first name. So it's actually Shan Ming Wen. And if you say fast enough, enough it sounds like Shan Wen, Shan Wen. So it's quite similar to seven. So since secondary school, I guess my friends have been calling me seven and then my parents and I was like, oh, this is actually a cool name. So, yeah, here we go. This is my preferred English name. So, seven. And it's just stuck. Yeah. Has, it, do, um, do you use seven everywhere, professionally yeah. and at work and everywhere? Yeah. 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 So, on my name tag and most of the emails, um, it's all seven now. So, people do find it like, oh, so seven, how, how would you pronounce it? I was like, just as the number seven. They were like, oh, okay, that's quite special. Yeah, it is a cool name. Now, that's, I actually haven't asked you the origin story. So, <laughs> that was on my list of things I wanted to ask you or I wanted to know. That's really interesting. Tell us a bit more about what you've, um, your background and, and um, so, so what led you to wanting to study physiotherapy and, and to, to come to Australia to study physio? Um, I think when I was back in high school, I really enjoyed 
biology, um, especially like physiology, those related to human, like um, we did a little bit DNA and the heart function. Um, I found it quite like I'm, I'm really interested in that. Like before that, I'm not interested in like biology at all. Like I'm more like a mess, a uh, finance kind of like person and always believe I will study business and become a businesswoman. But I think, yeah, taking, take, um, I took that biology course and it's really changed my interest. So I think that biology course really like changed my 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 thought about myself in the future. I really want to be in a profession related to human because I feel like it's really applicable. Like what I learn, I can actually apply it to myself or like I can understand it like so I think that's the reason why I choose um, to start physiotherapy because it is kind of related to human Um, the reason like I didn't choose to study medicine or anything it's just when I was a kid I cut myself and then I saw blood coming out and then I was like ah and I think I'm traumatized so I don't want to see a lot of like blood and stuff like that so I feel like physiotherapy is still helping others <laughs> and it's kind of medical related but um not a lot of scary stuff <laughs> well there's a lot of big influence on people's quality of life and living but there's not as much life or death and yeah, yeah and there's and it's certainly a different career big difference from being a financial person or a businesswoman yeah. Just from the biology classes. So it's, it's interesting. A lot of people have those origin stories where they, they first learned about something. Sometimes it's just going and working and uh, or, or doing something in high school or, mm. or going to a physiotherapist to, as, a, as a patient or something that you just flips a switch and you think, hmm, I could do that for a career. Yeah. And, of course, there's a lot more to it than biology. And one of your strengths is working with people. That's what you do. And we're going to talk about today the, the communication strengths that you've developed. And so what was it like when you first arrived in Australia and you had to learn the language, you had to develop the language skills further, and, and you had to you move here and then you had to start at the, When did you study? When did you move to Australia? Was it around the time of um, beginning the course? Yeah, I think I just moved. Yeah, I think so. I think the course start in February, so I just arrived like a week earlier than the course starts. A week, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, so I basically I booked the flight, come here, set up everything, and then I start. I started the course. Um, I think for the f- like the first couple weeks or like first half of year, because um, you know when people don't know what they're going to expect they are quite brave and then they they think everything is just so fun and new so I think for the first half year um I'm actually really enjoying to you know to to talk to people and then trying to figure out um their culture and their ways and um yeah, I think I'm like quite outgoing, like to make friends. I think that's my first couple of half, like first couple of months or first half year, just trying to connect pe- connect with people and then, yeah. Mm. So that was fairly enjoyable. It was a bit yeah. scary, no doubt, but it was also fun and enjoyable to talk to a lot mm. of people and try to make friends and, yeah. and that helped. Um, I would say like for the first couple of months, yeah, it's more like, 
enjoyable instead of like scary and stuff because I think um, when you are going to something new, you, you never feel like scared. Like it would be like interest to know. Like so I'm quite open and I'm going for the first couple months. And then I think it's a couple months afterwards because you kind of know, notice that your communication, like although like I've done the English test and make sure I have adequate English, but it's still, it's, uh, a, it's quite different, like the textbook English and then the real life communication is quite different. And then I think physiotherapy is the course um, we'll do a lot of like case discussion practical class then I slowly to find it like maybe I'm like struggling a little bit Mm. so let's talk about those challenges and those struggles so how would you describe your first year as a student and what parts of being a student were difficult in terms of communication and and adjusting Mm, I think like, first of all, like with all the lectures, I think I'm a little bit, um, I find it harder to like understand and grasp all the information. So I have to spend a little bit more time to like do, like do preparation, make sure like I can already understand a few like key concepts. So it's kind of easier for me to catch it during the lectures and help me to make that, you know, make it make sense. Mm. Um, like afterwards, you do need to kind of catch up a little bit as well, probably rewatch the videos and just to make sure you, you understand the whole thing from the lectures. I think the other bit, it's I found it extremely hard. It's probably during the CBL, so case-based learning, because yeah. that's, that's the... I found, I think I struggle with that bit the most because that's the um, like you need to um, think on the spot and then you need to express it on the spot and okay. then and then it's kind of like a little bit hard for me at the start because when I got the idea and then I have to translate it into another language, I kind of already missed the timing already. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Mm, because when you, when you are in a group discussion, it's not about like, um, it's it's about timing as well. Like you, you need to kind of say it in the right time. Like we're talking about this topic, so you better contribute during that time. Like I think I found it struggling once I figure out the idea and then I trying to translate it. Oh, <laughs> then move on to another topic already. Mm. Um. So I find it quite hard. Yeah. What tips could you give then for people who are in CBL or so case-based learning? This doesn't have to be related to physiotherapy training. It could be any any study. And mm. you're in a group and you're feeling like you're in that position where you, by the time you think and then translate and then go to talk, people have moved on. Is there any interpersonal skills you've developed or any strategies you've developed working with people so they can help give you some space and bring you in on the conversation and make you a part of it? Mm, I think what I found helpful is like, I think it's because of my personality. I like to think about it and then, you know, and then 
like make sure everything kind of organized and then talk about it. But yeah. I think in case learns like case based learning or those group discussion, um, probably it is nice if you can present it in an organized way. But I think it's quite hard for us as a second, you know, sec- like a English is a second language. So I think it's easier just you stepping first without thinking too much about how do I organize it perfectly and stuff. Like try to be nice and clear, just stepping first, talk about something you want to bring up first, and then you can try to elaborate. Usually people, they will give you time to elaborate and they'll always ask you questions to, you know, to clarify and stuff. So I think it will be helpful if you're just stepping first, like just, Step um, in first, just begin. Yeah, just to rather begin. Rather than wait to have all the thoughts perfectly formulated. Yeah. And, of course, nobody has that when they talk. But yeah. then to do it in, a, in to translate it as well as an extra step and you might get left behind. Mm. What about talking to, I guess, make being an outgoing person, as you said, and, and talking to a lot of people is going to make people understand you as well. Yeah. Um, if you... Are there any other strategies you can use to to help people understand the position you're in? Perhaps explaining to people that it takes me a little bit longer to um, to formulate my thoughts and inviting them to bring you in onto the conversation. Mm, I think with the physiotherapy course, it gives you a lot of opportunity to connect with people, to be honest. Like with mm. practical class, you have to kind of break into small groups and then uh, you are surrounded by like local students. So I try to, you know, talk to them all the time. And um, and then like you can o- always let them know like you're struggling to understand a certain things and they're always happy to uh, explain it to you. Yeah. People love to help. Mm. You think that I always think, think think the best of everyone. Eternal <laughs> optimist, but, but it's true though. Especially in a tight knit community in a group, the more you talk to people and say, "These are the things I'm. This is how what will help me. These are the things I need help with. This is how you yeah. can help me." Mm. It's only the advantage for you that you, as you've said, you're an outgoing person. You quite enjoyed being in a, a foreign country and meeting all these new people and you just went up to people and talked to them and talked to the local students and you will learn a lot by doing that. Mm. That's certainly something that I've got from that uh, part of the conversation from you. What about, um, what tips could you give for say our first year and second year students who are in a similar position to you were um, in 2017 and 2018 in your first two years? What tips could you give them for, for studying in general, mm. beyond just communication? I think have your own study group. It's something mm. really important and really helpful. Um, I think during my study, I always have like a group of study friends. We are even close friends now, like go traveling together and oh, stuff. Good. But when we were back in uni, we kind of help each other because it's, it's, it is a really good place for us to make sure we learn everything and then prepare for exam because um, we can go through the practical questions together or if there's any question, we just messenger each other or messenger in the group. Like, oh, I got this question. Anyone know? Like, mm. um, So we can get the chance to ask each other questions and kind of it's a really nice way kind of to refresh your memory as well. 
Yeah, yeah. And another um, part of the course that you were a part of was the clinical communication support program that Joe Corbett runs here. So I wanted to talk about that. So you were someone who attended a lot of those sessions and you really improved your communication skills through all the work you did and all the group work you're doing and, of course, your clinical placements. Um, But those sessions played a part of them. Um, What made you decide to go along to those sessions? You're obviously really busy. There's lots of competing demands for your time. Um, What made you want to go along to attend those sessions? Um, I think, um, first of all, like my study group, like this like majority of them is from like another country as well. They are all international students. So kind of that gives me an inference that I want to go with them as well. And um, secondly, I think um, I feel like I just need a little bit more time, a little bit more support to understand stuff. So I think clinical support program, they give you the chance to ask questions um, and then they give you the chance to practice certain skills and also give the chance to, um, you know, to work with your friends or work with other like um, colleagues and under the supervision of a lecturer. So I think it's a really good op- opportunity. Mm. So for listeners, this is a, a program that we run where um, students from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds have an additional opportunity to practice their clinical communication. And I always feel like the communication aspects of what we do are a big part of what we do. So the focus is often on clinical skills and they're not separate from communication. How much of what we do in the clinic is based on rapport, interpersonal skills and communication about clinical concepts. Can you remember some specific things that you've learned by going along to those sessions? Like there's something that that you now use in the clinic that you learned back then? That's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> it is I a think while ago. it's I think what I learned it's definitely all blending to my yeah, sure. practice now. Um I think um, before my placement, um, we have like CCSP um, sessions to help us how to make, you know, like before we start the placement, how we make connect with our supervisor, make sure our placement runs smoothly, um, like doing the placement, how we communicate with um, our supervisor. I think the main thing I've learned is try to be open and honest um, with my learning needs and what kind of support I need, which is kind of transferable what I what I'm what I'm doing now as a great one when I'm talking with my senior in in our mm. fortnightly supervision, like being open to like what kind of support I need and how to communicate with my senior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. What about um, specific getting specific feedback on communication skills? So it's something we could sometimes take for granted that we just talk to people. But if you're doing this in a different language, uh, it's more challenging. So how important is it to get feedback on those communication skills? Um, I do. 
I do feel like, yeah, I think it is important to um, get feedback about your communication skills. Um, I think um, not so much now because um, I'm, my, my English pretty much functional enough for yeah. me to do my jobs. But when I was uh, like a student, like prepping for my um, placement, CCSP, it's probably like a good place um, where like there is local students. I think mainly like lecturers, they will give you feedback around how can you phrase that question a little bit more open instead of, you know, keep it like kind of closed. Um, how would you phrase that question? Uh a little bit um, or like um, how can you format like your assessment findings and explain it to your patients. Um, I find it quite useful like you find this, this, this um, and which means this and that or like um, because of these so I'm doing to this. So I think there is some kind of um, like format, how you think about it and then how you can explain it to your patients, which um, we kind of get practice in CCSP education. Yeah. Mm. And I think with practice during your placement, you can definitely use them more and more and find what's suitable for you and, yeah, and come up with your own way. Mm. Yeah, we have exercises in the sessions where you were given some findings and your job is to explain them in patient-friendly, person-friendly yeah. terms to, to a person. And it actually, that's difficult to do if you haven't practised it mm. and extra challenging if you're doing it in a, um, a, a second language, for example. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it, to actually say, well, I found, I've just learned a, a physical yeah. examination test. Yeah. What does it mean? And how do I actually explain it to somebody? Mm, yeah, that's a good example. I, definitely. Because I think English as a second language, when you learn physio, like you will consider us like a language as well. And it then, is. yeah, like, um, like when I learn like knee flexion, like hip flexion, I wouldn't thought, oh, it's actually like a jargon. It's not like when you say this to um, the patient, they wouldn't understand what you are talking about. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, kind of going to placement and CCSP kind of made, made me realize, okay, so this is actually just physio language. Yes. It is actually not how you communicate with your patient. <laughs> That's such a good point. It's such an important point that you, you need to almost learn two different ways of saying things. Yeah. There's the jargon of communicating this in a medical yeah. record or to another professional of knee flexion deficit, for example. Mm -hmm. And then there's how you talk to a person, which is your knee is not bending as much as the other side. Can you see that? Yeah. Mm. That's a really good example. How many languages do you speak, by the way? Mm, I only speak too so chinese and english chinese and english oh, i just thought i'd ask because because you've got four now because you've got chinese english greek and latin by the time you learn all of those anatomical oh, yeah. terms and, and you're right because there, there is there is really a second language that you learn there with all the anatomical mm. terms and all of the terminology and then knowing whether whether that's how you talk to a patient versus yeah. to another professional that's an yeah. additional challenge 
And were there any other, are there any other challenges like that you can think of that you've you've overcome now that you're at this stage and you're working in Australia as a physio? Uh, I think mainly just like the communication. I think it's my main challenge and it's kind of like in different ways as we discussed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're doing such a good job with it. Um, if we could talk to our, talk to our students again and try to, um, so this, we, we're quite open with this. We, we've, we want the students to come along and take advantage of these opportunities and do the program and, um, and improve their clinical communication skills. You're someone who's now at the other end. You're two years graduated as a physiotherapist. You're out there working and um, you use clinical communication every day to help people in the clinic. And you've done a really good job with developing that important part of your clinical skill set. Um, but if you're in first and second year physio studying, you may not see the importance of that yet. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. So if you were deciding whether or not you'd come along to Joe's sessions next week, the clinical communication sessions, um, what message could you give to our students if they were listening to this? Mm. Try to sell it to them. <laughs> um. Well, it's, it's um, you know, when I was started, like, they're always, like, team teams and foot there. Like, it's good. Like, good. you know, like, there's good foot there. And then Joe brings got, food. Good, very good. <laughs> and then you got to talk with your friends and then talk with lecturers. You can ask questions and then you can get the opportunity to practice well, like you only get to practice when you are OSCE, so why not practice a bit earlier and with someone to give you feedback? So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Nothing helps nervousness and mm. anxiety like doing work and practicing, yeah. yeah, and putting the reps in. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a couple of points there that you've made that are, are, um, we'll come back to. The importance of being outgoing when possible. Everyone's got a different personality, but trying to talk to lots of different people and getting their perspectives and the importance of having a group of people that yeah. you work with a study group and then the importance of practicing, practicing those yeah. skills. So a lot of the communication skills we develop, you can take for granted because mm. you think it's a bit like the fish in water and it, the fish doesn't realize it's in water. We're using these skills all the time. Mm. That's why it's really nice to talk to you, someone who's had to really work hard to develop these skills and and think about the process yep. that you went through. And a big part of the process was work and putting time in and practicing and then not doing it on your own. You can't mm. communicate with yourself. Yeah. You practice scripts and things that can be helpful. Having um, checklists of things that you do need to cover off, like your red flags and, mm. and um, consent and things like that. But it is important to just practice. Yes, definitely. I think when I was on um, placement, there's one thing like I'm struggling with, just you mentioned consent, like um, because just we're not normal. Like we don't normally explain everything we did. And then especially it's in a second language, like like it's extremely hard. Like, um, for example, you're just going to take the blanket away, but you probably wouldn't like 
like us as students, when you first start it, it wouldn't be like, we're just going to take the blanket away now. It would probably be a little bit cold. Like just that um, getting the consent from the patient, even like, oh, we're just going to turn on the light now. We're going to do this test, which involves, you know, bending your knees and this kind of things. When I'm like, when I first started, yes, definitely like that automatically explaining it's probably absent. Like you probably more think of, oh, I have to explain this and explain it and then do it. But with the other, yeah, small things, you're probably too focused and then you forgot to explain it. So definitely more practice and that informed consent all the time in it, in it practice, in it practice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think like the series, the series part of learning for that two and a half years, the, um, the, it's kind of linked together. Like I really like the structured learning at Monash. Like they teach you something um, like anatomically, physiologically, like related to that physio problem. And then in that same week, you kind of having that case-based learning, which is related to all the things. So it's all applicable. So you kind of started to build your clinical reasoning bit by bit for the first two and a half years. So by the time you go into placement, you, you you have definitely enough clinical reasoning to do like the basic assessment and then like the basic treatment and you can defin definitely figure out the physio problems there. I think also like how the structured 
um, learning at Monash, it gives you a lot of practice. You get to practice that skills like all the time as well. Um, for example, like you will definitely practice to do different kind of like ligament tests and stuff. Well, like it will come with handy because um, when you had that doing placement, you wouldn't be like reading the books and then it was like, oh, it doesn't make sense at all. It's something you have done before and then you can just watch the video again and then you kind of refresh and then you can do it. Mm. Yeah. It's actually like a really big group. I think there's 12 or 14 of us. Um, yeah, so it's a big group with local students and also international students. Um, I think from like like study wise, like they 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 like because English is their first language. Sometimes it's easier for them to like learn it and then understand it a little bit better. So it's give us like a chance to make sure we actually understand the right thing. Like sometimes you know, like it's quite easy for English as a second language for us to. Um, to misunderstand, like you thought it's this way, but actually it's the other way. And also um, the second thing is like, you know, like um, I think as the English, as us, for us international students, like maybe like when you just mention something like in one sentence and stuff, it's really for, easier for us just to miss it, miss that information. Like for example, um, especially like it's not written or something like, um, when I'm with that group, they will be like, oh, just, you know, reminder, we've got like a quiz next week and stuff. And I was like, oh, we've got a quiz. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, it's really nice. They kind of, you know, um, help us with study and also like just give us head up, make sure, oh, there's quiz next week, make sure get prepared and stuff. Um, and then also like, Friends-wise, like cultural-wise, we got to know, like, you know, they will introduce me, like, like this is the, you know, traditional, like, local Australian foods and stuff like that. So it's kind of diving into the culture as well. Hmm. Definitely. Before, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seven, you've given it... Um us a really interesting summary of what it was actually like to come to Australia and to study and some of the challenges and um, and some of the fun you've had as well and and some of the tips you've um, 
that you've given us for um, for your study. Do you have anything, any final bits of advice that you want to give to our students who are listening to this or any final thoughts you'd like to add? I think just keep practising, like practise with your friends. I think practising the community is really important as well. Like um, I think when I was a student, I I didn't really try to find another job and then try to kind of walk in the community and see like what feel like to get practice how you communicate with community. Mm. Um, um, yeah, so just keep practicing with your communication, talk to different people. I think the second thing is, yeah, do study research. Like <laughs> research is the important part. Like um, as a practitioner, like you, you have to read a lot of research papers, like, make sure you are evidence-based, like like how you can understand that article like in a short amount of time and don't go to the places where you want to find the details you want. So it's a really important skill. Oh, we're yeah. very lucky these days on that topic of having so many evidence summaries. It's almost a skill now we need to add to our training. And what we do is, is being an mm. educated consumer of research, but also uh, being educated about where the resources are and being aware yeah. of um, where you can go and mm. that we've got, there's so many summaries we could talk about. Um, and there's so many good artificial intelligence um, applications as well at the moment that can help summarize. Um, oh, is it? And help. Well, yeah, there's a whole, maybe there's a whole nother episode there as well, but I feel mm. like there's, there's obviously uh, problems, ethical problems and, and other problems that many people have discussed online about those, mm. uh, about AI, but it, in terms of access for people, um, and in helping, you know, with um, with communication, you know, there's some amazing um, applications there as well. Ooh. But look, that's look, Seven. That was a really nice introduction to you and what you've done, and um, and some tips for our students who might be listening to this in terms of um, improving and developing their communication skills. So, thank you for coming on again. It was really good. We'll have to do it again and perhaps talk about some of the research you were mentioning. And, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> and, um, and also some of your clinical tips as well. So this episode was really focused on your communication journey and and what you've, um, you know, the, perhaps the university focused side of that of your communication training. And um, there's plenty more we can talk about in terms of your work as a new grad. And we've got a new yeah. grad series on this podcast, which we could oh. you could be a part of if you like as well. We're talking about just personal experiences of being a new grad clinician. There's lots you've touched on there that might be relevant but until next time let's leave it there and thanks very much thank you see you next time so until next time this is seven shan and luke periton wishing you all the very best with your studying professional development and lifelong learning